Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. This week, we're talking with Jeff Chappell, a chap to his friends over at Bucks Island Marine. We're going to learn how to choose the best fishing kayak for every scenario. Chap is a lifelong hunter and angler, and he's been working at Bucks Island for the past two years as their lead kayak salesman. Uh, Whether you're looking for a lightweight and simple little creek boat or a big tricked out bass fishing machine with all the bells and whistles, Chap is the guy who can get you in the kayak of your dreams. I guess to start with, go ahead and, you know, kind of tell me, tell our listeners kind of who you are, what you do. I know Bucks Island is, is a big name. We hear about y'all even all the way down here on the Gulf Coast. Kind of give us a little bit of a rundown on your organization. Well, we're a boat dealership. We just got into the kayaks about three, four years ago. I became the kayak guy two years ago. We carry Bass Cat, uh, Skeeter, Falcon, Bass Boats, Glitter Boats. We sell uh, Avid and uh, G3 aluminum boats, and we sell Bentley and Crest pontoon boats. We also have Rescue One. Have you heard of Rescue One? I don't think I'm familiar, no, sir. Rescue One Connector Boats is a uh, boat for first responders. You've probably seen them. They're white, red, got red accents on them, but they're all over the country. I've, I've literally met people all over the country that's been in Rescue One boats. I just pulled them up, and I think our local search and rescue down here, I think they actually have one of those. Just kind of like a little a real plain Jane looking kind of wide John boat yeah. thing. Yeah, I've seen those going up and down the river. I delivered four of them to Naples, Florida about a month ago. Really? Yeah. That's a neat looking little boat. Well, so you say that you got into the kayak game three or four years ago. Have y'all noticed that be something that's really picked up? In recent years? I think last year was the best year we have had. My first year as the kayak guy. This year has been slow, really slow. Like I had a thing at the first of the year if I sold 50 kayaks, or I was going to buy a Jackson Stacks for a kid and give it to him at Christmas. And we never, we haven't come close to our 50 this year. But last year, we sold way more than 50. I don't know what happened this year. I I think we've kind of seen that talking with a lot of other people. You kind of had a really big peak during the pandemic. Um, I was talking with somebody about this on the show last week. So I live on a really quiet boat ramp here on Mobile Tensaw Delta. And usually if you hear four or five boats go by in the morning when you're getting your coffee, you pull up on your phone to check what tournament they're having that you forgot about, you know. But we were having during the pandemic, man, that was seven days a week. You were having just traffic like you usually only get two or three times a summer. And then I think everything kind of tapered off. The economy kind of took a downturn. COVID ended. People, you know, went back to going to movie theaters or going to a kid's ball game, whatever it was that they were doing, going out to eat on the weekend. And I've noticed that that pressure, whether it's out on the water fishing or out in the woods hunting, it just dropped off really hard. I think everybody kind of bought their gear, but you know, I I think that it'll, I think it'll stabilize. But yeah, we definitely, I think most industries have noticed that COVID spike in the outdoor industry and then kind of a taper this year. Yeah. Well, well, tell me a little bit. 
So I, I, I know there's a lot of different kayaks. We got dealers down here who sell everything from, you know, touring boats to fishing boats up north Alabama. You get people to get into the whitewater boat thing. What, what makes a kayak a, a fishing kayak? What do you, what kind of features differentiate it from like a touring or a recreational boat? Well, it just depends on what level of fishing you want to get into. Just these little throwdowns, these little Wednesday night tournaments. You don't have to have a pro angler or a Jackson Nar or whatever. You can, you know, get out and, you know, the budget, the recreational kayaks and take a rod in a box. You know, you don't really, I'm more of a, you know, simpler is better. I've always been that. And I tournament fish too, but you really don't have to just take out a second mortgage to, to get you started. But on the other hand, it's better to buy up a little bit more than the Walmarts and the Academy, you know, the Pelican brands or whatever, because you get into more of like a stability issue. Like you want a good stable kayak. That's the first thing I ask people is when they call, if, you know, they're wanting to fish, I'm like, well, what's your budget and how, just how big a boy are you? That makes sense because I want to put a guy, I want to put people on the water as safely as possible. That's my number one goal. And I want to get people what they need more than what they want. Like I've told, I've taught kids out of coming out here buying a Pro Angler 14 360 Ike Edition. I've talked them out of getting it and buying a Jackson Bite because they didn't need that $6,000 kayak. They needed, you know, that $3,000 kayak because they're just going to fish their granddaddy's ponds out in the cow pasture and getting their buddies interested in it. And they come and bought, bought Jackson Bites. So I don't really call myself a salesman. I'm more of an outfitter. I want to get you in what you need more so than what you really want. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's one of the appeals of a kayak in general is that they cost a little bit less and there's a little less maintenance to them, uh, less of an issue storing them. And and something we had uh, Wayne Harris here on the show. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He does a lot of fishing in the kayak tournaments on the Coosa River, but he he fishes a pretty minimalist kayak you know like he he wants a kayak mm-hmm. that he can drop down a creek bank somewhere and access those hard to get to places um and i think he's had some of the bigger boats where you know you kind of need a trailer to get them down to the water and he says right. they have their place but you get on a lot of good fishing in in places where you can just launch one without needing a ramp so i think that makes a lot of sense you were you were talking about you know, kind of getting somebody in there at a good budget and kind of striking the line between not wanting to overspend, but also not wanting to go, you know, with something that's going to give you problems down the road with durability and stability and stuff like that, kind of stepping up a little bit from those Walmart Pelican kayaks. What in your mind is is kind of a good budget range if somebody wants to get into a kayak? Is there kind of a minimum and a maximum window that people are looking at? Well, the bare minimum would be probably the Jackson Bite, the Bite Angler. And we have a Bite Recreational kayak, which it doesn't have the horizontal rod tube or the rod holder, but you could fish out of it. I believe that would be my minimum would be the Jackson Bite Angler. And uh, you got pedal-driven kayaks and you got paddle-driven kayaks. And if you're just wanting to get out on the water and fish a little bit, fish a throw down here and there, you know, unless you just really need it, really want it, I think a paddle kayak is is fine. Like the Coosa X makes a makes a great creek boat. The Jackson Coosa X, and that's going to be upwards to the two thousand dollar mark. And then like, but then when you jump up to the to the pedal driven, you're going to go to like the Bite FD, 
the flex drive, which is going to be around three most places. I got you. So I guess if like if somebody come in here wanting a budget brand of kayak, I would I would first ask them, do you have to have pedals? Do you have to have paddles? Or what do you want? And if they said, I want a really good paddle kayak, I'm going to push them towards the Kusa X or the Jackson Take 2, which is a tandem kayak that you can take a seat out. And it's just got floor space for days. I mean, there's it's literally like just like a dugout canoe, like the Indians built. Hmm. It's a great it's a great kayak if you want to paddle. It's a big kayak. You know, it's probably not going to be great for running water. You know, if they're pulling water or something, you probably need to think about that. But as far as just like getting out in a pond, getting out in a big lake, not a lot of current, a paddle kayak it, to me is what I would choose unless I had to go like a long distance. And I was just looking at that. That's an interesting looking boat, the Take Two, because it looks like you could pull out that seat and have room for a kid or have room if you uh, wanted to use it to get to some deer hunting spots. I used to do a lot of that back in college. I used to paddle across the river and go hunt and need some room to throw a a deer in there, which can be hard to find in some kayaks. So Out of that one, that one's a good one. Like duck hunters are taking all their decoys and taking the dog, taking a seat out. And basically, it's just a barge. Like you could take anything you want, strap anything you want, go for overnights, do whatever. It doesn't have a, you know, of course it doesn't have the, the dry storage, but, you know, there's waterproof bags for that, you know, stuff. You can make it, you can make a good trip out of taking, you know, going with the take two for sure. And you were talking a little bit about, you know, it's it's definitely less expensive to get into a kayak without the pedal drive and you don't always need the pedal drive. Who needs a pedal drive? Like, I know they've gotten really, really common. And, uh, you know, I've I've talked with people who have owned both. I've talked to a lot of anglers who went to a pedal drive. And if they were small creek fishermen, like you were talking about, they went to a pedal drive and then they reverted back to a, a, a paddle boat. My uncle's actually one of those who, who ended up kind of downgrading, so to speak, after he'd upgraded. But who, who really stands to benefit the most, I guess, from those pedal drive systems? Just people that want to get into skinny water. Like they don't have to worry about, I mean, you know, like the Jacksons, the flex drive, they got the skeg that protects the prop, you know, it's prop driven and the Hobies are fin propelled. Like they have a fan, two fans on the bottom and, you know, they kick up too if you hit something, but a lot of, there's a lot of guys that if they plan on dragging their kayak over the rocks or dragging it through the woods or lowering it off the side of a bridge to get to where they're going, where there's never been a bass boat. That's going to be your guys. It's going to be looking more for the paddle kayaks. Gotcha. And and where do you think the pedal drive units really tend to shine? I mean, it's easier to pedal a kayak than it is to paddle a kayak. If you're looking to cover a lot of water and get there a little quicker, you definitely need to go with the pedal driven kayaks. And which means tournament fishermen, because a lot of tournaments they put they might put in at one boat ramp and there might be 30 people there well you need to get out away from those 30 people you know the paddle guys are going to stay within a couple of hundred yards of the boat ramp but those pedal guys can get out there a half a mile a mile even you know and still make it back still you know have lines in by whatever time you know so i guess people that that need to get out there need to reach location a little quicker a little farther away from the boat ramp that's going to be your pedal guys what do you think if you get like down here, we got a lot of big open bays, you know, and then you have all throughout the state of Alabama, you've got some of the bigger lakes. You've got Lake Martin and Lake Gunnersville and uh, Lake Eufaula, big places like that. And then, of course, you get down here to the, you know, the beach and you've got a lot of big open water for, for something like that. 
I'm guessing that would be where a pedal drive would shine too, uh, navigating some of that bigger water. It will. But I know guys that have taken the Jackson Big Tunas to the oil rigs, paddled them out to the oil rigs. They've been doing it for years, you know, six, seven miles off. Yeah, so that's that's something. I've got a lot of experience inland. Um, I've done a lot of overnight trips and kayaks, and I've done a lot of deer, duck hunting, a lot of freshwater bass fishing and stuff like that. But to me, that's really impressive. The guys who go out there and and get out in that big open water, um, that's something that I've I've never really done and always, to to be completely honest, been a little skittish about doing. Yeah, it would. um, Yeah, well, what, what would be the guys that you know who do it? What do they look for in a boat if you're going to go do do the big water thing? Well, the Jackson R would be a good boat because it's going to cut, you know, it's going to track. It's like it's going to take the waves a little better than, you know, a wider boat like a like a Jackson big rig. So I guess a, a longer, more narrow boat would be your best bet to get out there in the deep water. Right. So I don't have a lot of experience, so I'm not really going to time in too much but just from what i've seen and seen some of the guys that you know on my pro staff or you know youtube and stuff that's what they're looking at and that's like that big tuna it's a long narrow boat you know it's got a good got a good bottom on it for stability and stuff but it it cuts through the waves pretty easy for sure better than the water yeah i i think uh I'd like to go do it one day just to say that I did it, but there's a, I don't know, man, I've, I've run into some trouble just on some of the big rivers here on, on the Delta where I'm at and and we can get real sudden thunderstorms here. And I've been caught out in some of those middle of the summer thunder boomers that roll in uh, on you if you're not paying attention. And man, once it, once it starts white capping, a kayak feels a whole lot smaller. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the pro anglers, 14, the pro, the, you know, the big Hobie pro anglers, they're going to be heavy enough to kind of sit down in the water a little bit. and You're not going to get thrown around quite as much with a long, skinny, narrow kayak. Kind of like a ranger versus a bass boat versus a bass cat. I'm in a, if a lot of big chop, a lot of big waves, I'm going to want to be in a heavier boat that's going to sit down in it a little better than I am a, a lighter, more narrow boat. It seems to beat you up a little more, if that makes any sense. Oh, it, it makes total sense. I can tell you there's a, you know, there's a big difference, right, in, in running in rough water with a, uh, you know, like a little small flat bottom tin boat versus a fiberglass boat. And part of it's the whole design and part of it's just the weight like you were talking about. And I can see how in heavy water, you know, some of those 80, 100 plus pound kayaks would, would be a lot more manageable. Um, I can see that for sure. 130 something. 138 i think for the pro anglers yeah they they make some that are heavy and you know a lot of the times you're looking for for that you know boat you can throw in a pond or in a ditch somewhere but i can i can see for open water that you would want more more weight as opposed to less for sure so we we've kind of talked about you know you said that you were kind of a minimalist angler and i I tend to go that way there's a lot of outings where i go out and i'll take you know one rod with me one one tackle box you know that fits under a boat seat or something like that but I know that I'm, I'm kind of in the minority that way. It seems like a lot of guys, they go out and they take multiple rods. They want to be rigged for, you know, multiple different presentations that they can do, right? If they want to start with top water and switch over quick to a jerk bait or go down to a drop shot worm or whatever. And I know, you know, used to, I, I remember when people first started kayaking fishing, what you were talking about is what there was. You know, you bought a kayak, you bought a milk crate and you bought some bungee cords and you just kind of made it work. And now, 
they've completely gone to the point where you can have anything that you can get on a bass boat there. You got people with sonar, forward facing sonar, got people with multiple rod racks. Um, I've seen boats that have live well systems. So looking at, at stuff like that, what's the most impressive, like fully rigged boat that you've seen? Is there anything that really stands out as far as a, like a really well-rigged bass boat for the guys who want to go all in on it? Well, my boss here, Israel, he's got a Pro Air 14 360 with live scope, Garmin live scope, Humberbird 360. He's got a mini power pole, uh, Nankota XI3 trolling motor, like three units. I mean, he's probably got $17,000, $18,000 in this kayak. And I've seen them upwards to twenty two and 23000 I think somebody had one at ICAST that was right at 30000 And that that that's definitely that sounds really expensive for a kayak, but uh, I was looking at a bass boat a couple years ago, and that's not that expensive in the grand scheme of things. Like, I remember those little bass trackers that you used to get at Bass Pro Shops. I remember when you could get them for like eight eight grand and have a 40-horse right. motor, trailer, trolling motor. I mean, they were ready to go, and they were small, and they were basic, but for eight grand, you could, you know— you could set up monthly payments and you could could be fishing for, you know, 80 bucks a month or something like that, which was a pretty good deal. But during the pandemic, you kind of had some some supply chain issues with aluminum. Uh, some of those, I think one of the plants got taken out that made some of those aluminum holes and they doubled overnight. Uh, oh, yeah. So and you're not you're not getting with a boat like that. You know, nowadays, twenty thousand dollars, that's not getting you into, you know, spot lock trolling motors any type sonar power poles like you're getting a hole and if you're lucky a motor and a, a little basic five inch sonar so that that's still what you're talking about the the top end it gives you kind of all the features and you still come in much cheaper than than you would for a new bass boat i was in the market for a in 2019 i worked at goodyear before i came to work here and in 2019 when they shut down i was going to come up here before i got a job here and buy a uh, aluminum center console G3 Gator Tough 20, whatever, aluminum boat. And I had spot lot, you know, old tricks. I had the 360, I think, power poles. And I think it rounded up to right around 28 grand. And uh, because Goodyear had just shut down, you know, I didn't have the uh, proof of income for that two months of my life. So I, wasn't able to get the boat, but I figured I didn't need it right then anyway. So got my bearings, got got everything situated, and come back up here two years ago to buy the exact same boat, except two years newer. And uh, it was right at right at forty. It went up about twelve grand. Yeah, from two thousand nineteen to two thousand twenty-two. And it's getting worse, not better. I was looking there for a little bit at buying just outboard motor. Uh, to go on my John boat that I use up here to to fish and and duck and deer hunt with, and the price on them went up like a grand. They went it went from like twenty five hundred dollar to a thirty five to four thousand dollar motor that I was looking at, and that was if you could get them. Everybody I talked to said, "Well, you know, if you order one now, we'll try to have you one next year." Next year. Yep. <laughs> it's it's crazy they're still a pretty good deal it's easy to look at one and, and thank goodness gracious that's a lot of money but you get a lot of functionality out of those kayaks i know a lot of guys who fish with them and, and i know you know guys who have big boats you know they've got bass boats they've got fiberglass bay boats and and they'll tell you look i, I spend more time fishing out of my kayak just because it's easier to launch it's easier to maintain and it's just more fun well, i've been saying for years the guys that 
Well, you're always going to have your guys that can't afford the glitter boats, eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollar boats. But then you got those guys that can't anymore, but they're in aluminum boats. Then you got the guys that can't afford aluminum boats anymore, are decking out these kayaks. And now you're getting to the people like me that can't afford the kayaks anymore that are fishing off the bank. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I and I've said for years, there's going to be a professional off the bank trail before it's over with. Yeah, it's it's funny that you say that. So I got into fly fishing this year. I was I was talking with some guys about getting a good pair of wading boots, and uh, I asked about a pair, and they said, "Oh yeah, well they're great. You know, if you got if you got three hundred dollars for a pair of boots, if you're just made out of money." I was like, "Dude, three hundred dollars to buy a nice pair of boots versus what it costs to buy a kayak or a boat and put gas in it—that's cheap. Yeah. You know, I'll buy a pair of waders and some fly fishing boots and yeah. have a couple thousand dollars left over for beer, bait, and gas." <laughs> there you go. What what about for I know that's becoming more and more of a thing. It seems like uh, down here, fly fishing has really taken off in the last few years. You got guys who are going out there push poling and you know sight fishing mm-hmm. for reds. They actually just had the Jim Mador tournament here this week. Uh, Pete Jordan down at the Lost Angler Fly Shop put that together. I wanted to go. I just had some stuff come up. But does, is that a thing that they make now? Do they make boats that are kind of specifically laid out for fly fishermen? Well, like I was talking about the Take Two, you're not going to get tangled up with anything on it. You know, it's got a huge floor. You can pull your line off in the, in the bottom, you know, on the floor or whatever. But the big rig, Jackson Big Rig, was discontinued last year or the year before last and replaced with the Jackson NAR. And they're coming back out with the big rig this year. Well, it's got the cutouts, you know, the where you can actually put the fly rods. It's got a spot for two fly rods in the Jackson Big Rig. So that would be if I was to tell someone to they needed a kayak uh wanted a fly fishing kayak rig they need to look at the jackson big rig because it's got a lot of room real stable and i think it's the most i think it's the most stable boat on the market but now that they've got the cutout and they had them i think they had them the, the cutouts for the fly rods the last few years they made them before they discontinued it but they got them back on there this year too would, would that be what you would recommend? I know you talked earlier that the first thing that you asked people about was what's your budget. And and I, I think you said what, you know, how big of a guy were you? I know that's that's a thing. Right. Um, I'm running into it as I get older. Used to back when I was in college, I was about 170 and I didn't ever look at the weight limit on something. And now uh, by the time I put on a pair of waders and pack all my gear and, and a heavy coat and all that, especially if I'm duck hunting, I won't say exactly what it is, but I'll say I look at weight limits a little bit more. Would that big rig be what you recommended for some of your bigger anglers, or are there some some other good ones to look for? The Jackson big rig and the pro anglers 14s are, it's going to be hard to be too big for that boat, them boats. I'm 300, I'm six foot five, 325 pounds, and I've fished out of a big rig my whole life and pro angler 14s. And I've, back when I was able to, you know, back in my 20s, hell, I'd, I'd have a 35 quart Yeti cooler on the back of a, yeti or a big rig and i'd stand on it and sight fish really so i thought i yeah i'd paddle i don't suggest it it's pretty stupid but like but <laughs> back before i cared it you know i would i would go below the dams and stand up and throw cast nets and catch you know shad put them in a bucket and stripe fish yeah i've managed to throw some little six and eight foot bait nets out of out of my canoe and then uh, i started playing around this year with a stand-up paddle board and you can do it, but the idea I've I've thought in the past it would be nice 
to stand up and and the few times i've stood up on something like a cooler or the seat on a canoe that's a that definitely you start kind of towing the line there a little bit you don't you don't feel safe and and cozy about it for sure well you don't the first few times you do it but it's like any it's like riding a bike i mean you kind of watch your legs learn to take the waves and you know give and take you know lean and you know whatever it gets easier that that that's very true that's very fair back when i did it more i felt more comfortable doing it and then still you you forget once you do it if you take somebody with you on a on a, any type of small boat whether it's a little john boat or a canoe or, or a kayak if if you get in the habit of going every weekend and you go with somebody who's new you'll learn you're like oh wow like yeah I've, i'm i'm clumsy but i'm not as clumsy as i thought i was and we're going to take a quick break. Y'all take a minute to check out some of the businesses that keep this show free for you. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They love trade-ins for boats and motors. They can rig your boat or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, 35907 zip code, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Also by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas are pretty much over. Don't waste time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the recent highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. So, so we've kind of we've kind of gone through everything, just kind of a budget and kind of the best kayaks for different scenarios. With your budget that you were talking about originally, I'm assuming that was just for you know kind of the whole you know like the total cost of ownership for for anything is always kind of inflated. The easiest thing I can think of is I bought a dog because I like to duck hunt, and to be honest, really didn't think about food board when you go out of town a vest for him you know a dog stand the cost of training him all of that i don't i don't want to get into exactly what i've spent on that over the past three years but uh yeah what what it, it it adds up really quickly and uh greatest fear in life everybody jokes about the greatest fear is that one day your wife will sell all your hunting and fishing stuff for what you told her that you paid for it that's right <laughs> what else do you need if somebody's looking to get set up and maybe do some some fishing this fall or they're looking to get a head start on kind of the, the spring purchase, what are some some of the must-haves that you got to have to go along with your kayak? Well, most kayaks come with, like, the horizontal rod holders or the ones that'll stick up, you know, your fishing rods hanging out the back of your boat or sticking up out of the back of your boat. So you really don't, I don't know, I, I guess rod holders, yak attack, black pack box, or just something to store your, your stuff to where if you do flip it, you're not going to lose it. So, like, waterproof boxes will be good i like to stake out poles i try to talk people into getting those and that's just a it's just a like a power pole poor man's power pole i mean you could you could make one but we actually have them yak attack and power pole makes them and it's just a, a pole you stick down in your scupper holes to 
keep your boat from it's like an anchor you know what i'm talking about i do i bought one for my stand-up paddle board and i was actually uh, the first time i fished with it i was really really impressed with how well it worked and just how easy it was to use you know like it can be a little bit of a trick sometimes getting your anchor especially those small folding anchors on a kayak it can be kind of a trick getting anchored where you want to and making sure that that anchor catches hold but man that power pole as long as you're not in super deep water or excuse me the the stake like you're talking about i mean that's that's pretty intuitive just stick it in the water and you don't have to worry about drifting or anything it was really quiet and then the one that i got too i can turn it around and it serves as a push pole you know if you need to push off a log or if, if you're trying to push pole through some shallows if you're sight fishing that was a uh, I was reluctant to spend the money on it, and I finally figured that by the time I got everything together, I needed to build one and and took a morning to build it. I'd come out ahead to just buy one, and the first trip I took with it, my highest praise for any type of purchase is if I if I lost it tomorrow, I would immediately go out and buy another one. And if something happened to that one, if somebody stole it at the back of my truck or if I dropped it in the lake, I would buy one on the way back home. But I, I would get like a you know a, like a Always, you got to think safety. That's that's one of my main things is safety. So I feel like everybody needs kind of like a little survival pack, you know, with a whistle in it, a uh, blow horn maybe. Uh, always have your PFD. Never leave home without it. Uh, the you know the 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 Yak attack and railblazer they come they have the little uh, uh, light up visual poles or whatever that that'll fit down in those rod holders like I'm talking about on the back of your boat. Because kayaks aren't seen as well as they should be on the river. Hell, I've been in 20-foot bass boats and almost been run over, you know, multiple times. So you can only imagine how many times I've probably been run over in a kayak. Because most people want a kayak that's camouflaged. And, you know, I don't I don't really see that being a, uh, a big a deal breaker for me on what color the kayaks are. A lot of people do. I want to be seen when I'm out there. You know, my life jacket's going to have a flashlight attached to it it's gonna it's gonna be a bright color my paddle i always like to have an orange paddle you want to stay safe first and foremost and uh but then like the needs of you know getting out there and being successful like i said a you know waterproof box waterproof tackle good sharp knife just i mean it's it's common sense really you don't have to have a thousand dollars worth of extra equipment to be safe and successful really you know you just you just got to use common sense you got to think of all the scenarios you could be put in and uh just go from there you know and, and you're going to get out on the water and every day you're going to learn something else like man i i needed that today you know does that make sense for sure and i i can definitely to to reiterate what, what you were talking about with safety um i've spent a lot of time in small boats and i've I've never been hit. I've I've had some people who I know didn't see me until the last minute. And then actually I had a real eye opening moment last year talking about lights on a boat. I left to go duck hunting. And I mean, I came a split second away from hitting a kid who was floating down the river in his John boat and what had happened. He left and I, th- I think basically he didn't vent his tank on his little duck hunting boat. So he got up the river and his boat died. And he was sitting there with the cowl off. He was trying to troubleshoot a, a, a duck boat at three o'clock in the morning on a foggy river and was frustrated, wasn't thinking clearly. And he'd never, when he left, he'd never turned his lights on. And he was just floating down the river. And if I, I almost hit him, 
because there was no way to see them in the fog. Like it wasn't until I got close enough. Luckily I was running a, a light and wasn't going that fast, but uh, it scared me and it, it definitely scared him. He stood up and I saw the look in his eyes and he knew he was about to get hit. And I stopped and uh, to help him see what was up. And, and he apologized profusely. He immediately turned his lights on. We got him, got him sorted out, but it definitely made me uh, think about all the times I'd been out in a, in a kayak duck hunting, getting to an early morning fishing spot, whatever the case may be, and and not had that 360 degree visibility light. So, oh yeah, and and then too, um, once you motorize one, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that you're required at that point to have uh, a 360 light and your red green bow light as well. And you got to pay the man. You do have to pay the man. You do. You do. You do have to register one. I've actually got a boat that I neglected to get papers for i got a motorized canoe it's got a little three and a half motor on the back end of it and uh i I forgot to buy the tag for it because i don't use it but about twice a year to go duck hunt out of but i need to go get that registered before duck season comes up on us um so outside of your safety equipment and your rod storage is there anything that's really kind of nice to have you know not really an essential but just something like you talked about you go out and you get some experience under your belt what what are some things you like to carry that weren't really apparent when you first started out? I mean, little tie downs that'll that'll like fit down in your tracks. Just a little like you know, little T tie downs or whatever. Those help with like tying your boat down during transportation. I need to walk out here to my accessory wall and just look. But uh, I mean, that's really like I said, I'm a minimalist. I mean, you know, getting into the Torquita motors and your uh, excise, you know, your trolling motors that you put on them. I don't know of a lot of guys that need it, but I mean, maybe an extra battery, you know, maybe, uh, you know, for lights. I mean, because you're fishing all day long and it gets dark on you and, you know, you're having to pedal or paddle back, but you, you know, you, you've got your lights on your kayak that are dead now. And that's what she was banking on getting you back to the boat ramp safe. You know, an extra battery might help. It's just get, you got to get out there and figure out what you need. Like there's a million scenarios for a million different products that you could use. And without you just asking me like a specific, what would I do in this scenario? What would I need in this scenario? I really don't know how to answer that. I got you. What What about to be kind of more specific? Because I know that's something that I've struggled with in the past, especially when I was younger, driving smaller cars and living in an apartment complex. But what's the best way that you found to kind of store and transport these kayaks, these bigger fishing kayaks? Kayak trailers are expensive. And I guess like living in an apartment complex, you're going to have to pay for that extra park if you had that. But uh, uh, there's a company called uh, Suspens, S-U-S-P-E-N-Z. That's who we buy our uh, kayak racks for, for our floor models that we put them up on. That would be something good, a Suspens uh, kayak rack. But like as for transportation, I put a, people are always worried about throwing them in the back of a truck. And, you know, of course, you, you don't want them just hanging out the back of your truck with no support, like an, a bed extender or whatever. But they do, I do suggest people buying the, uh, a bed extender and Boondocks makes a good one. That's who we carry. They'll make a, you know, an eight foot bed, a 13 foot bed, you know, pretty easy or a six foot bed, a, you know, 10 foot bed. Yeah, and I know most guys don't do not do like I did. I had mine for a little while was a substitute for the living room sofa, and I'd sit in the seat to watch TV. But I think most yeah. guys are 
or storing them now i got a place in the backyard i can keep them and i know folks my buddy he keeps his on a suspend system like you said stored up in his garage room yeah they got hoist like for garages they got the hoist systems like that are pretty easy to put in and you know pick them up put them up in the roof rack yeah his is pretty slick because he can actually sit there and uh his kayak he can lower it straight down onto his roof rack he can keep his forerunner mm-hmm. parked in in the garage and when he gets ready to go somewhere he just goes out and operates the pulley system and it sets it right on top of his roof and when he comes home he undoes the straps and it hoists right back up in the air and that uh that works really really well and he doesn't have to do you know if you get a bass boat you got to decide well do i park my boat in the garage or do i park my truck in the garage and he, he can keep both of his in the garage where they're out of the elements so but i will tell you this on like trailers or whatever people are you know like i said these kayak trailers are just ungodly expensive but if you, you'll start noticing it now that I mention it. But if you'll just drive around your neighborhood and just kind of look, there are like wave runner trailers or little junk lawnmower trailers everywhere. And just pull over and ask, are y'all using that? Yep. Can I buy that off of you? Can, you know, like I, I literally found mine uh, just riding through my neighborhood here in Southside and, and saw where a, guy, a trailer had been sitting in the woods for two or three years and hadn't moved. And I pulled over and asked them, they're like, yeah, you can have it. Just get it out of here. And I went to Academy and bought new tires for it, grease the hubs, and now I've got a, a Wave Runner trailer that I've turned into a kayak trailer. That that was how I picked up my first kayak trailer was a guy who had, had two or three sitting in the back of his yard, and we got to talking about it at work one day that I was looking at buying one. And he said, no, you're not. He said, come get one of these. And uh, yeah. Same situation. I had to redo the hubs, had to redo the bearings, and uh, put new new tires on it. They had dry rotted out, but that and a coat of paint, and then you couldn't hardly tell in the in the parking lot when I pulled up to the boat ramp. You couldn't hardly tell that I had a free trailer. Yeah, tra- the trailers outlived the wave runners years for years, you know, and they just they just get pushed over to the side. People don't know what they have. People don't have any use for it, and they just push it over to the side and forget about it. That's it. It's just just something they got to move to mow around. That's why I found mine, and mine was like up in the woods. The guy hadn't sure. thought about it for years. He gave it to me. I don't know if you'll get that lucky. <laughs> no, I I got I, I'm sure it doesn't happen that often, but I got given one, and you got given one. I think that's a it happens, right? It's just a, it's a big thing that once they go downhill, not a lot of you know. It, I think it scares some people having to redo you know, trailer bearings, buy a new pair of tires and put a little TLC into them. I had to spend some time on mine with a wire brush and, and some, some paint and primer, but yeah, you can, and I've, I've seen people, like you said, those jet ski trailers, lawnmower trailers, mm-hmm. um, there for a while, it was really popular to buy that cheap Harbor Freight had a trailer and there were plans all over the internet for turning those into kayak trailers. Um, they had one that folded that was pretty cool. You could fold it down and lean it up against a wall in your garage or your workshop, um, so there's a lot of a lot of options for that, and once you uh, once you get one on a trailer, it's hard to go back to throwing one on and off your roof or getting one in the bed of your truck. You'll get spoiled pretty quick on it. So I know I used to work. I did about five years in an archery shop, and okay, yeah, it, and it was a really it was a good time, and I like to kind of think of myself like you mentioned at the beginning. You know, my job wasn't so much a salesperson as it was an outfitter. You know, I wanted to make sure I wasn't. You know, wanted to make some sales, wanted to make some money, you know, but but I wasn't going to sit there and try to beat somebody out of two grand if I thought that, you know, a $500 bow would would do what they needed it to do. Um, and and I was, 
really happy. I feel like everybody that I worked with got more out of coming to me than they would have if mm-hmm. they just ran to Walmart and picked up something off the shelf or run to an academy or, or a big box store. Like we made sure that they, you know, had arrows that were spined properly, made sure that everything was shooting well through paper. We'd give them some shooting lessons in the range, um, yep. kind of just make sure everything fit them. What what does it look like up there at Bucks Island if somebody wants to go buy a kayak? How does how does that whole process usually work? Like, do y'all do like demo days? Can you demo a kayak? Like, what does that usually look like? We do. We got a test pond. We got a little creek that runs beside our property here. Back when they put the building here, they dug a test pond out that fed through the creek. And uh, so yeah, all you got to do is just call me and let me know you're coming. It normally takes about an hour. So if you want to buy a kayak, you're really thinking about buying one. You need to be here about an hour and a half before before we close, like around three thirty or so. But yeah, we've I put there's not a kayak up here that I won't let some I don't want somebody to buy a kayak they've not been in. That's too big of an investment. I don't care if it's our eight hundred ninety nine dollar one. I want them to get in it and make sure it's gonna be a safe kayak for them to get in. They're gonna be comfortable in it. And they're going to enjoy it so it don't end up on Marketplace for $300 next spring. You know, I want them to use it. That's been my biggest selling point, really, is getting people what they need and what fits them because they keep them. I don't don't have these people. The only people that call me and ask me, do y'all buy that kayak? Are the ones that didn't need that kayak. And having a test pond here, and they can get up down the creek. Hell, I had a guy, he was 78 years old. It was last October. 78 years old, and he had had total knee replacement on both knees a year prior to that. And uh, he called me. Me and him have been on the phone talking for a week or two, and he finally called me and said, I'm on my way up there. I'm going to come up there and try out the Jackson Byte FD, the, the flex drive, uh, pedal-driven one. He got here. He called me right when he pulled up, so I met him outside. and He was reaching in the back of his truck, and he pulled a fishing pole out and pulled his tackle box, pulled his life jacket, and I was like, what, what, we, what we doing, buddy? And he said, I, I'm going to make sure all my stuff fits in it. I'm make sure all, you know, I'm going to see how I fish out of this thing before I buy it. And I said, I'm, I'm glad you did. You know, it's like, and he went out there, he stayed out there about an hour and a half, two hours fishing up and down that creek, knowing he was going to buy it, but he wanted to make sure it was the right kayak for him. And, and it was, and he bought it. Stuff like that. I used to always feel, you know, you get some people who you do, you do this full time and you kind of develop, uh, you can kind of spot a tire kicker. But when I was working in the shop, the people who were earnest about buying something, I felt the same way. You know, I would tell them I would rather spend 30 minutes or an hour in the range with you shooting a bow because mm-hmm. once I've sold you this bow, I don't want you to come back in here unless it's to buy more stuff for it. I don't want you to come in here a week from now and we and we're returning a bow, exchanging a bow. You're not happy with the bow. Like I want I want you to leave happy and and then if you leave happy, I know you'll come back and then you'll buy more stuff and you know I'd I'd rather put the time in and make sure it's right. You stay happy, I stay happy. Uh in the long run, I think it saves you some time and earns you some extra business to make sure that you get it right the first time around for sure. Absolutely. I think I've made, I think I have a friend in everybody I've sold a kayak to. Like I've had people two years ago that are sending me pictures still of them like in their, in their kayaks with fish, you know, Ain't that the best? wishing me a Merry Christmas. You know, it's just, 
that's why I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this to get rich. Believe me, I'm as broke as I've ever been in my life, but I just enjoy the, the camaraderie and the friendships I've made for the most part. And well, for all of it, really, I've not met, a, I've not met anybody that I wouldn't consider a friend in this industry. Well, that, that's definitely, it, it's great when you get customers that way. And, and the, the most satisfied I ever was at my job was when you'd sell somebody a bow and they'd come in two or three weeks later would, would the story about the deer they shot with it. And it didn't matter if it was yeah. a 80 pound nanny goat or 120 inch buck. It was always just right. cool to see that you'd help somebody make a good memory. Absolutely. Well, I've, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I think it's been a really educational conversation. I think our listeners will get some value from it. Uh, if people want to get in contact with you if they're shopping for a boat, where's a good place to uh, reach out to you at? Well, here at Bucks Island, just Google Bucks Island Marina, 256-442-2588 if you want to give us a call. Ask for chat. My name is Jeff Chapel, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, and I get a million calls a year then they think my name's Chad. It's not. It's it's Chap, C H A P, and but that's the only aggravation I've had in this job. That <laughs> money, but I'm Chap, and and I'm here all the time. So just call and ask for me. There we go, well, guys. If you're looking for a kayak, definitely y'all go check out Chap over at Bucks Island. And uh, Chap, I definitely enjoy you. Appreciate you being on the show today. Yes, sir. Enjoyed it. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks offer numerous items to help get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles in your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building design. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or to get a free estimate today. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Well, folks, that wraps up this week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has delivered the finest quality fish and game feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com. Also brought to you by KillerDock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to see more. Also by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call 1-888-830-POND or info at secpond.com. Also brought to you by L&M Marine. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoons to bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. You can visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or give them a call at 251-937-1380. And brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rig or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. <laughs>